morning as we sing, um, thinking about God's word and how God has blessed us by giving us his, his word. And our prayer is that God will speak to us even this morning. Amen. Um, good to see Dumi and, uh, and Baki in our midst. Uh, enjoy uh, fellowship even today. Um, we continue in our reading or in, in our series uh, on James, Practical Christianity. Uh, we, we are now um, about to finish. Um, we, we, we left with two sermons to finish uh, chapter one. So today we're looking at verse 19, chapter one, verse 19, up until verse 25. And the subject for this morning is responding to God's word. Responding to God's word. James chapter 1, verse 19, up until verse 25. I read from the ESV. Follow me as we hear God speak to us this morning. This is God's word. Let us hear him. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that the law of liberty and perseveres, being uh, no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. And this is God's word for us this morning. Let us pray. O great God of highest praise, as we draw near to you this morning, we pray that you sanctify our hearts through your word. Draw us to yourself that we may look to you, trust in you, worship you, and live for you. We pray that you will conquer every rebel power in us, that we will hear your word, that whatever seeks to disturb us, O oh God, will be brought to subjection to your word. May you be glorified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you a question as we consider this passage. What place does the word of God occupy in your heart? What place does the word of God occupy in your heart? Is it a place of authority where it governs your life in every way? Or is it a place of subordination where it's easier to dismiss or regard it when it does not agree with you? You see, we live in a time where people's attitude towards God's word is determined by how they feel rather than by whether it's true or not. In other words, if something seems good in my eyes, 
feels good in my flesh, then by my determination and standard, it is good, regardless of what the word of God says. But contrary to this popular attitude, the Bible describes Christians as people in submission to God's word. Not grudgingly, but joyfully. We, we, we read through Psalm 119, but let me just go back uh, a few verses. Uh, um, think about it. The psalmist, in his elevated praise of, of the word of God, says things like this, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for, 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 for your rules all at all times. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 48, I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. An attitude of of submission to God's word and, and joy in God's word. Think about Job as well, who, 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 who looked at God's word and said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Right? And our Lord himself, right? Our Lord himself, when he was resisting temptation of the devil, calls Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is clear from, from these texts that they delighted in the word of God. The, the word of God was governing their lives. Now, now in this context, James has has been speaking to Christians about their response first to trials in verses 2 to verse 12 and their response to temptation in verses 13 to verse 18. Remember that James's great concern um, as he writes this letter is to show that the Christian faith is seen in its practical outworkings, in its practical outworking in the arena of life, right? In other words, meaningful Christianity is practical. Meaningful Christianity is practical. He answers questions like, how must a Christian respond to trial? So how must a Christian respond to temptation? Now his concern here in verses 19 to verse 25 is with regards to the word of God. Observe the words that he uses in referring to the word of God. In verse 18, after talking about temptation, he calls the word of God the word of truth. In verse 21, he calls it the implanted word. In verse 22, he calls it the word. And he uses in verse 23 the metaphor of a mirror in reference to God's word. In verse 25, he calls it the perfect law, the law of liberty. It is clear here that the word of God is the big idea that James has in mind. And the, the question that concerns James is, is connected with verse 18 when he said that God out of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth. The question that he, he seeks to ask and answer in this passage is how do people who have been transformed by the gospel respond to the word of God? 
How do people who have been transformed by the gospel respond to the word of God? And in answer to this question, we see three God-honoring attitudes to cultivate in our response to God's word. Three God-honoring attitudes to cultivate in, in, in our response to God's word. First, hear gladly. Second, re receive humbly. And thirdly, practice joyfully. Hear gladly, receive humbly, practice joyfully. Let us look at the first God-honoring attitude to cultivate in our response to God's word. Hear gladly. Hear the word gladly. Look at verse 19 and verse 20. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to, ang slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Notice here that James underscores the importance of what he's about to say to these Christians. He says to them, know this, my beloved brothers. The, the NIV puts it clearly here. It says, take note of this. The idea would be something like, come to an understanding of this. This is something that is important to know. This is an important knowledge that you are to have. The idea then is that what James is saying, or he's getting here, he's getting ready to say, although, uh, although short and, and, and pithy, it is never the less important. In other words, what he's saying, if you have not memorized these words, you should consider doing that. This is very important. Note that he also says, what he's about to say here, the thing that he calls them to know, to take note of, concerns every Christian without exception. Right? He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, look at those words, let everyone. In other words, what James is saying, it says, what I'm about to say to you is important and also concerns every single Christian. It, it, it concerns every Christian without exception. In other words, there is no one who can make an excuse for what I'm about to say, for not obeying what I'm about to say, for not working in what I'm about to say, for not taking serious what I'm about to say. It, is, it concerns everyone. It has a global reach, a universal relevance. In other words, this concerns everyone who identifies themselves with Christ. He goes on to his point by saying, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Considering the importance of God's word, he, he calls them to be people that are quick to hear. You see, quickness to hear brings out the idea of hearing gladly, right? Or, 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 or hearing with eagerness, be, being eager to hear. It is not just mere hearing, but hearing to learn, hearing to understand, hearing to know. To hear the word of God gladly comes out of an understanding that when the word of God speaks, God speaks. And so we, we become swift and quick to hear it. We, we become like Samuel, who, who, when the Lord spoke to him, said, Speak, Lord, for your seventh years. 
in first samuel chapter 3 verse 10 it should, be, it should be the prayer of our hearts when we listen to God's word to say, Speak, Lord, for your seventh years. It should be our delight to know that God speaks to us through his word. God is never silent. He continues to speak to his people through the word. Notice that the command of being quick to hear is followed by two other commands, slow to speak and slow to anger. Uh, these commands give us more light into what it means to be quick to hear. Oftentimes when people listen, <coughs> they listen not to learn, but to know when are you going to stop talking so that they can talk themselves. You'll hear things like you, you keep talking and they say, are you finished? It is not because they have learned something from the conversation, but are you finished so that I can also say something, right? And James says that we must be slow to speak. This reminds us of the great truth, the great important truth that God made us with one mouth and two ears so that we can speak less and listen more, right? Speak less and, and listen more. He did not make you with two mouths and one ear. To be slow to hear and, and quick to speak is a sign of not willing to learn, but you are ready to voice out your opinions at any given chance. A lot of times in this case of being quick to speak and slow to, hang, to anger, the mouth usually goes before the brain. The mouth goes before the brain. The brain is slow, the mouth is fast. There's no time to think through what people say. There's no time to consider if your words are helpful. There's no time to consider if your words are even, you should be even saying them because you're quick to speak. Nothing of value or of worth comes out of people that are unteachable. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 13 verse 3 says. It says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. Proverbs 29 verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. James goes on to address the other group of those who are given to anger. He says, be slow to anger. You see, James here is not speaking against righteous anger, right? He is speaking against anger that was directed at God's word or, or God's servant for speaking God's word. John MacArthur makes a point about the danger of this type of anger, noting that it is therefore an anger that only the Lord and the believer knows about. Therefore, it is a special anger in that it can be privately harbored. 
James's emphasis here seems to be on those who hear the truth and resent it exposing their personal false ideas or ungodly lifestyles. Throughout the history of the church, in fact, throughout the history of fallen mankind, even believers have resented God's truth and the messenger who brought it. Close quote. You see, if we have an angry, argumentative attitude when we hear God's truth, God's word of truth that displeases us or, or rebukes or confronts us, we are likely not to retain what truth we hear and, and even less likely to be affected by it. James turns and says about this anger, he says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right? It, it does not bring about the lifestyle that, God, that pleases God. It does not bring about the lifestyle that brings honor to God. It does not glorify God. The, the anger of man never glorifies God. If it is not righteous anger. And, and just, to, just to, to even put this point, righteous anger among people is, seld, is, seldomly, um, is, is seldom there. Right? Most of our anger is self-centered, right? It is because of, of, of me that I'm angry. It is not because of God a lot of times. So James calls us to think about our attitude as we respond to God's word. And he says the first God-honoring attitude we need to cultivate in response to God's word is that we need to, be, we need to hear it gladly, right? To hear it gladly. Not only that, he goes on to show us the second God-honoring attitude when we respond to God's word. Secondly, it's to receive it humbly. Receive it humbly. Look at verse 21. <coughs> Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls receive it humbly the the therefore here indicates that the exhortation in verse 21 is grounded in verses 19 and verse 20 in order for them to receive the word humbly they have to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness the, the, the greek word translated here put away was primarily used of, of taking off clothes, right? Of taking off dirty clothes based on the desire to have nothing with the debt ever again. He says, put away all filthiness. Put away rampant wickedness. There's a book by Howard Hendricks. I forgot the name of the book. Um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the opening of the book, he talks about the Bible and he says that this book will keep you away from sin or sin will keep you away from this book. If you do not put away sin, sin will put, away, put you away from God's word. Right? James says, take off the dirty rags of, of, of wickedness and, and rampant filthy, the filthiness and rampant wickedness. Take them off. You see, the, the idea of, of casting aside everything that prevents us from hearing and receiving the word of God also insists 
that we need to put something on, right? We do not just take off. Um, th th that process of putting off naturally is followed by the process of putting on. And James says, in, 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 on, the, on the positive side, he says, receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word. The word receive here means to accept or, or to receive something that is being offered by another. Or, or to take something into one's hand and to grasp it. It, it. it pictures the Christian putting out the welcome mat for God's word of truth. As one would a good friend or a guest inviting them to their house putting out a mat and saying, welcome, I receive you. We receive the word humbly, with meekness. There, there are people who, instead of receiving the word of God, they reject it. You see, rejection of God's word is, is seen in two categories, right? Soon in two categories. The first category is conspicuous. It is, it is evident. It is clear. You can see it. You can see that this person is re re rejecting the word of God. In, in this group, we find people who, who, out, who outrightly oppose it by, by dismissing it as idiotic. Or on the extreme, by attacking those who believe or, or teach it, as in the case of Christians that are, are being persecuted. These are people that we call atheists or agnostics. These are people who say um, the word of God is idiotic, it's archaic, it, it's, 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 it's not relevant, it, it was never relevant. It's just brainwashing, right? It's, it's, another thing is that it's, it, it, it came with white people. They gave the black man the Bible and he gave them his cows. It's nothing but a brainwashing book. It's clear that these people are, are rejecting God's word. They openly oppose it. Everybody can see it. They wear the badge of honor. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe this. But there's a second category. This second category is subtle subtle in the rejection of God's word. These are those who profess to be Christians. The, the, the reason this is subtle is because you, you cannot see it with your eyes. You, you cannot see it outside. But usually, in attitude and approach, they, they reject the word. They, they say with their mouth that I believe the word of God and all that it teaches. That they, they receive it, but while with their lives, they reject it. Their acceptance of God's word is only when it speaks about things that are not touching their sin. Right? They receive God's word. They say, no, God's word is good. God's word is good. It's great. But you will see them in the way they relate as a family. The husband does not love the wife as God loves, as Christ loves the church. The wife does not submit to the husband as the church to Christ. There, there, is, is, there is outside 
reception of God's word, but inward rejection of God's word. They, they accept the fact that the word of God talks about purity, but they are living in sexual immorality. They accept that the, the word of God talks about generosity, but they are living and holding things for themselves and, and greed. They are living in greed. Outwardly, they are saying, this word is good. Inwardly, by their lifestyle, they are rejecting it. The word of God is their professed authority, but not their functional authority. It is professed, not functional. Rightly does Paul say about these people in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. There's a form, right? A form of godliness. And in Titus, Paul says again, Titus chapter 1, verse 16, he says about them, they profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him. They deny him by their deeds. Is, is that you this morning? Does that describe you? Do you outwardly profess to, 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 to honor God's word while inwardly you reject it with your lifestyle? What Inwardly you reject it with your heart. You, inwardly you reject it with your words and with the, the things that you do in secret. Does your life show that you have indeed received and continue to receive the word of God? It is possible, dear brothers and sisters, to, to hold God's word. It, it, it is not possible to hold God's word on, on one hand and to hold your opinions and, and your lifestyle that is outside of God's will in another. Not possible. It is not possible. The throne of your heart can only be occupied by one. Either your opinions and your flesh or the word of God. Never both. You see, I... I'm a very, very picky eater. I'm very picky when I eat. I don't just eat everything. There are, there are many things that I don't eat. And this is not because I have food allergies. No, I, I don't have any food allergies, not that I know of. It's just a preference issue for me. I just prefer some food over another. I don't find some, some type of food suitable for my palate. So when, 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 when a plate, when you give me a plate, when you invite me today for lunch at your home, uh, and you give me a plate that is full of a variety of foods, you can be guaranteed that I will leave some of it untouched on the plate. Now, that is perfectly fine, right? It's perfectly fine. You can have a preference when it comes to food. You can pick and choose. You can be given a plate and eat this and eat that and leave this one. You have the freedom to choose what kind of food you like and which ones you don't like. But let me submit to you, you don't have the freedom when it comes to God's word to do that. It is not fine when it comes to God's word. You have no liberty to choose what to accept and what to reject. It does not depend on your spiritual palate's preference, but on the fact that God's word is from God himself and should be honored, all of it. Meaning that it carries the authority of God when it speaks. He speaks when he speaks. 
the word of God is not like a Sunday plate with, with all the different varieties of food when you can eat this and, and leave that. When it talks about sin, you, you put that aside. When it talks about blessing, you receive that. It's not about that. You receive everything. In other words, we should receive it whether we agree with it or not. Today, instead of people taking God at his word, they would rather dismiss it or say that it is no longer relevant for our day. When the Bible addresses homosexuality or, or even the roles of elders in the church, you hear arguments like, no, 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 no. You see this verse, Paul was just talking in, in that context. These verses have no practical relevance for our progressive society that we find ourselves in. Uh, Paul was just talking to that context in, 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 in Corinth or in, 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 in Ephesus. It, it was just a contextual issue. Not realizing that everything written in the New Testament is a contextual issue. But, but Paul was just talking to the Ephesians. He was not talking to us. You see, Romans 1, talking about homosexuality, was for those people. They, they were not engaged in a, in a, in a loving uh, way in, in, in a homosexual relationship. It was just that time. You see, the idea, brothers and sisters, the, the problem, if you think about it, is not, it's not about Paul or, or whether or not the Bible is relevant for our time. The problem is a prideful heart. A prideful heart that does not want to submit to God's word. The problem is the heart, not the word. We want to dismiss the word of God when it does not agree with our lifestyles. Right? I once saw an interview of a family. They call themselves Christians. And, and, uh, and, and so the, the, the show was uh, uh, these uh, shows about, um, they were talking about homosexuality and, 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 and the Bible. And, and so... Um, obviously, the, the agenda of, of the world is to show the Bible in a bad light, right? Christianity in a bad light. And so they are interviewing this Christian family who recently found out that their son is homosexual, is, is gay. And, 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 and so when they are interviewing them, they are interviewing this lady who has been a Christian, according to her, for years. And, 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 and how she feels. She says, you know what, I, I, I truly believed that the Bible taught against homosexuality. Uh, listen to this. I, I truly believe that the Bible taught against homosexuality. I, I, but when my son, uh, you know, came out of the closet, I, I saw that the Bible does not really teach about homosexuality. Who's the authority there? The feelings, not the Bible. You see, the Bible is authoritative. Whether your son comes out of the closet today, it's still authoritative. The authority of the Bible never changes. It will never, never change. Right? I know there's a tension in, in those kinds of moments, but the tension must never be with God's word. The tension must be in your heart alone, and your heart must be informed by God's word because there is one authority and one alone. The word of God. One of the indications that one has truly received the word of God is seen in the third and final point. 
the third God-honoring attitude we need to cultivate in our response to God's word is to practice it joyfully. Practice it joyfully. Look at verse 22, and we'll go with um, going up until verse 25. He says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. Uh, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is here concerned in this section about doing God's word. He, he uses the word doer or, or do, uh, three times in this section. His concern is that the word of God must be practiced. One of the indications that one has received and continues to receive the word with meekness is displayed vividly in what they do with it. Right? To truly receive the word of God is to practice it. In practicing the word of God, we are making an affirmation and we are affirming that it has authority over us. We are saying that we are subject to God's word. We affirm that it is God who speaks through it. And it reflects his perfect wisdom. James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You see, the word doer here, the Greek word translated doer, describes one who, who does something as his occupation. Right? It's his occupation as a, like a producer or a poet or an author. It, it is their occupation. The, the occupation of Christians, in other words, is to do the word of God. In fact, this marks out Christians. Not only does it, does it mark out or distinguish Christians from unbelievers, but it also marks out and distinguishes Christians from fake Christians. Remember the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Right? It is not about what you say, but also what you do. Our speech and our action must correlate. They must match. John makes it clear that those who truly know and love God are those who keep his word, are those who do his word. First John chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, he says this. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him, talking about God. If we keep, if we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, listen to this, whoever says, I know God, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word listen to to, to the word keep how it it keeps uh, 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 repeating itself whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of god is perfected by this we may know that we are in him this is an indication this is what marks up must marks marks us out. This is what distinguishes us, not only from unbelievers, but also from fake believers. Note here 
that the word doer or doers is in the present tense, right? Be doers of the word. It, it in, indicates that doing the word is not a once-off thing. It's not a Sunday thing, but it, it must be a habitual practice. It, it must be a constant practice of the Christian. The Christian never resigns from, from this occupation of doing God's word. James contrasts doing with, with merely hearing here. He, he declares that merely hearing and not doing is self-deception. One is deceiving themselves. They are playing a trick on themselves. And by way of illustration in verse 23 to verse 24, um, he demonstrates the, the foolishness of being merely a hearer and not a doer of God's word. He uses the picture of a mirror, someone who looking at, at their face in the mirror and, and at, at once leaves without fixing themselves. You see, a mirror functions to reflect your appearance back to you. It shows you who you are. It does not add anything to what you already look like. It never enhances or corrupts your appearance, but reflects you as you are. When you have blemishes on your face, it shows the blemishes. When you have scars on your face, it shows the scars. The mirror is not like Snapchat. I know most of you won't get the, the reference. But Snapchat, Snapchat enhances your face. right? It makes you look like you had makeup even if you did not have makeup. The mirror shows you as you are. Now, when the mirror exposes things on your face or, or the spinner stuck in your tooth, logic dictates that the solution is not to break the mirror, right? When you break the mirror, you have not solved anything, is it? But to sort out your face. But contrary to logic, we see this person here who looks intently at his face in a mirror, and the mirror reflects his or her face and the blemishes. But instead of fixing what they see, they walk away. Uh, that word, look intently, suggests that this was not a mere glance. You know, I don't know if, 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 um, if I'm wearing nice and I'm passing in the mall and, and I see my reflection on the side, I, I take a glance sometimes to just admire myself. But I'm passing. I, I, I don't analyze myself. I don't wait there and, and look at myself and turn and, and do this. But, but the suggestion here, the, the, the word that James looks here, um, uses for, for this person who looks, who looks in the mirror, he says they look intently. In, in other words, this person was not glancing. This person was looking and analyzing themselves in the mirror. Yet at the end of, after analyzing themselves and seeing what is on the face, instead of removing what shouldn't be there, they walk away. They walk away. Women will know that this is foolishness. Right? Like, uh, you would know that this is foolishness. I wonder if this is you. When it comes to the mirror of God's word, I wonder if this is you. 
I wonder if you look at God's word and you see what it says about your heart. You see what it says about the darkness that is in your heart, the sin that is in your heart. You look at it, you agree with it, you walk away. Like that Chinese man who loved rice, right? Loved rice so much and, and one day he, he just wanted, he, was, he bought a, a microscope and, and was curious as he was eating his rice, his bowl of rice. And, and, and he takes one grain of rice and puts it under a microscope. And as he looks and zooms in, he sees a lot of gems, a lot of bacteria. Then he takes that grain of rice and puts it back in the bowl. And he looks at the bowl, he looks at the microscope. He looks at the bowl, he looks at the microscope. He looks at the bowl, he looks at the microscope. And he throws the microscope and continues to eat his rice. Is that you? Is that how, is that your attitude towards God's word? You look at God's word, it, it, it shows you what's in your heart. You look at your sin. Thomas Watson uh, calls it your darling sin. You look at your darling sin, you look at the word of God. You look at your darling sin, you throw away the mirror of God's word. You see, the mirror of God's word shows you two reflections a lot of times it shows you first your reflection and the reflection of christ your reflection and the reflection of christ it shows you how you are weak and frail how you fall short of the god's glory how in yourself you cannot do anything it shows you the sin that you try so much to hide and cover up from people it shows you all the blemishes all the bruises all the debt all the stains that you can never cover up with makeup shows you and exposes it all and on the other hand it shows you the face of christ it shows you christ the, the savior who pleased the, the father in every way the the, the one on, on by whom uh, whom the, the, the when 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 pontius pilate looked at him he said i find no fault in this man it shows you the one without any sport without any blemish or any such thing the one whose death gives life the one whose burial takes our sin as far as the east is from the west the one whose death uh, whose resurrection makes us children of god it justifies us before god it shows you christ in his perfection the one who is the hope of glory and it says to you here is where your hope lies christ in you the hope of glory it shows you that your righteousness is filthy rags and it shows you the righteousness of christ that is perfect and says this is your hope that is why paul when he, he at the end of his life he says i want to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law but a righteousness of christ that comes through faith because he knew that his righteousness although in his eyes looked good when he went to the mirror of god's word it showed his righteousness for what it is filthy wrecks And you can see clearly here that what James is doing, what James is showing us is that the mirror of God's word exposes us, exposes our sin to free us. Right? 
It exposes our sin to liberate us. Look at, look at the words James uses. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. He uses the, the perfect law, the law of liberty, the, the law that frees us, the, the word that frees us, that breaks the chains of sins, that brings us to the Father, brings us out of darkness into his marvelous light, the, 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 the law that draws us away from the control and power of sin and brings us into the presence of God. You see, freedom is not being far from God. Freedom is being in Christ. The law of liberty. So in other words, you do not need to tug away your sins and, and hide them in fear, but to joyfully expose them to the word of God and put them away. And the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Amen. What a joy, Lord, to know that you expose us only to free us. Thank you for your word. And may we be characterized by these attitudes that are honoring in your sight, to hear your word gladly, to receive it, um, humbly and to uh, practice it joyfully. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May you be glorified in every way in our lives. In Jesus' blessed name, amen.